A quick note, this episode contains content that is not appropriate for all audiences. Please use discretion. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of My Almost Dead Brother. This is Dan Knight here. Hi. And I'm with my almost dead brother, Sam. Hello, everybody. Okay, at the beginning of each episode, we want to interact with our fans. And so here's a question from our fan, Holly Weaver. And Holly would like to know, Sam, are you afraid to die? And what do you think happens after you die? Um, I do believe in life after life. Are you afraid to die? No, I'm not afraid to die. I guess I'm a little nervous. Just I think I've come close over the past couple months. Yeah, very close. Closer to dying than I've ever been in my life, and it's shaken me. Are you afraid of the unknown? Like you don't know what will happen? Do you think you'll see like mom and your twin brother Tom? Absolutely. Obviously, I'm going to miss all these relationships I've spent all this time building with my girls and your daughters, my daughters and my grandkids. They're just really special to me. Those are relationships I don't want to end. Like I wish I could keep them going. If you did go, if there were any way possible, you would try to have influence or watch over them or that kind of thing. Yes, for sure. That would be important to me. Yeah. Well, today we have a special guest, our oldest sister, Karen. It's actually Karen Knight Lowell Cushenberry. Maybe later on in this episode we'll get an explanation of all that those names. But we are coming to you tonight, not live as you're hearing it, but live for us as we record it. Yes. Not in the hospital. This is the first nice. time we've recorded not in a hospital. Where are we, Sam? Is that true? This is the only time? Yeah, we did a first, our first couple in Provo hospitals. We did another one in Austin. I guess that's true. Sam, could you cover up a little, please? <laughs> it's all family. You changed his diapers plenty, so you've seen it all. Yeah. I'm not doing it now. <laughs> you can. There's wipes over here. So anyway, I got released from the hospital in Ogden. The McKD Hospital. And I was transferred to... Just a really, really beautiful campus up here in, in Bountiful. And everybody knows how beautiful Bountiful is. So you kind of know what I'm talking about. It's just bliss and love and tenderness everywhere. Well, it's Bountiful. Exactly. You're actually, right now, we're within a mile or something of Sandy and not very far from Leslie, your other sisters. Right. So that's good. Also here with us today is Katie, who's our engineer, who's running everything. Hello. And Andy's here, too. She's just not on the microphone. She's just smiling. She's doing a snap-up job, though. Yeah, she's snapping it up. So that's a, the quick update. You're at least not in a hospital, but you're at not least. feeling good. You're still feeling terrible, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you're not walking around and doing normal life things. You're still kind of flat on your back. So that's why you're not at someone's house. You're at a... Like a rehab center is what this is, right? Something like that. What did they want me to call it? Uh, assisted living? I think it's transition from hospital to home. So that's where you are for a little while. We don't know how long. But we invited Karen, our oldest sister, here today because 
In one of our earlier episodes, we talked about our real early youth, like when you were born, before I was born, which was... I was in sixth grade when you were born, Dan. So we're talking pre-me, before I was here. So Karen, what do you remember about that time? Mom was having twins. What was it like when she was just about to have the baby? Do you remember any of that stuff? You were about 10 years old. I was 10 years old, and I was in fifth grade at Palo Verde Elementary in Palo Alto, California. And one day, Mom came home from her appointment, or maybe we came home from school, and she said that they had heard two heartbeats, and that that meant there were two babies. So we were screaming and jumping for joy. We couldn't believe such good luck for our family to have twins. And everything was going really well. Mom was only 5'2", so she was all baby. She was huge. But something very upsetting now when I think about it happened, which is um, they let the doctors there at Stanford University let her go three weeks over. Yeah. Past due? Past due. Whoa. And because nothing nothing started and they wanted her to start on her own. So that was the first clue that things weren't right. So then um, I still remember dad waking me up in the night and telling me he was taking mom to the hospital and asked me to get into their bed so that if the kids came in, I would, someone would be there in the morning. So the kids were Leslie, Joe, and Sandy. So they went to the hospital, and I slept there for the rest of the night. And then it was a long time before we heard from them. And I believe my grandma came out at some point, my grandma Knight from Provo. Maybe it was, I can't remember. If like it was, that day or within a few days? Maybe it was like the next day. So was, you were kind of running the show as a 10-year-old. Well, that was in and out, but it was, it was early on that we knew that there was a big problem because Sam was born easily. The way mom told it was that they couldn't get little Tommy out and she kept screaming, cut me open, cut me open. Don't give me any medicine. Just get that baby out. Please cut me open. But they wouldn't. And they, um, yanked and worked and it was just a nightmare. So, um, they knew that it had been a big trauma on Tommy because, well, I, this is kind of messy. I was only 10, and I'm like 29 now. <laughs> this so, is 51 years ago, by the way. So a social worker before mom came home came in and talked to them and told them that there was a good chance that Tommy was going to have cerebral palsy, that he was going to be blind, possibly deaf, and that he had just really, really been hurt in that delivery. So mom came home with Sam and not Tommy, but... The pictures show mom in a wheelchair with both babies because the nurses came and put both babies in her arms as if she was bringing them both home. I don't know why. Uh, Just to make it look good. Yeah. So um, mom brought Sam home, and Sam was, like, so strong. He literally flipped over in those early weeks, like, after mom bathed him. Anyway, in two weeks, mom and dad brought Tommy home, too. And it was such a sad thing because Sam was strong and kicking and screaming and flailing his arms, and little Tommy just laid quietly, and he barely cried. He just kind of went, and Sam was like a normal baby, even stronger. And then it was about two weeks after he came home that he had developed a really bad case of pneumonia. So he was put back in the hospital, and he was in the hospital for a little while, and then he, he did pass away. After he died, Sam got pneumonia, and we were all really, really scared and panicked. But he luckily survived. He came home, and he was okay. It was a hard time on our mom. She was devastated losing that little Tommy, and so she kind of went to bed for about a month and just rested and healed. And um, our Aunt Lugene and our Aunt Catherine, 
I think maybe even Annie Lane came to help, even and Grandma Knight. And so for those weeks right after all of that happened, um, those dear ladies took care of us. Didn't everybody travel to Utah for this? After he died, we did. And that was the first time I'd ever been on an airplane. I can still remember coming off the airplane, and Eugene, Catherine, and Elaine ran to greet Mom. And they ran to each other, and they were all hugging and crying, crying, crying. Eugene, Catherine, and Elaine are Mom's sisters. Eugene had lost a baby, and... Elaine, Elaine had lost a baby. Okay. Catherine hadn't. But it, it was really emotional. I remember crying just because of how much they loved my mom and how much my mom loved them. So then my Uncle D took care of the body of little Tommy. and Uncle D is a mortician. They buried him close to little Stephen Westover. And you know, <coughs> mom started to heal and get better. As anyone that has lost a child knows, you never really get over that. <coughs> you never do. And every single birthday that Sam ever had, was, oh, but we're missing Tommy, and we wish he were here. And can you imagine if Tommy was here, those two beautiful, strong boys together playing ball or whatever, and it was just really hard on her. Do you feel like mom and dad were a lot, like, different overall as parents before and after that, or did they kind of get back into gear? They were back into gear. Mom is a tough cookie, and she she came back. but She came back and had me. Yeah, she Within had another baby in a year, months. and that surprised everybody. So, but that pretty much saved the family, really, when I was born, right? Well, kind of. It was a lot of contention. No, <laughs> of course she wasn't trying to replace Tommy, but I think she really wanted to have a sibling for Sam. She kind of had her kids in twos. Yeah, we talked about this in our she cared about episodes, that. but yeah, that was a big deal. Oh. You'd never hear today of a mother going even full term on right. twins. It's, no, it's, they take them a month early. No, I happen to have had twins as well, and I relayed this story to my doctors in <coughs> tears, and they took my <sighs> girls three weeks early. And that was 30 years ago. Which is weird because Karen's yeah, 29. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was odd. <laughs> it works if you do the math. So, Sam, hearing all that, did you know all that? Mom had talked to me about a lot of that. Mom still would break down in tears no yeah. matter what. Brought no matter up. how far into her disease. She'd go right back to that day. Yep. She could remember all of it. So, Karen, what else do you remember about when we were all little? We have one brother I won't name that was always bugging me. But Our older brother, Joe. He will tell you that I beat him up all the time. You but didn't. I don't think I did. I had to sometimes discipline him. Yeah, you did. Our parents were gone. And 70s. Joe was strong. That's true. He was can, wiry and strong. I can remember I was in sixth grade, and I sat on top of him and pounded him <laughs> on his chest with both <laughs> hands while he was screaming. Was he crying or laughing? No, he wasn't laughing. Do you remember Sam and me as kids in California or mm-hmm. Utah? California. Something that was fun growing up with our mom was that sometimes in the summer she would wake up and just wake us all up and say, we're going to the beach. And so we'd all get our stuff and she'd bring our little hibachi and some hot dogs. And I remember Sam and Dan playing with the seaweed and throwing it out in the water and throwing sand. We had so much fun those days. And I don't know if they remember because they were pretty little. I don't remember that. You said at the beginning, what was your, what's your full name? My name is Karen Knight Lowell Cushenberry and I've never been divorced. That I was married to a man that was sick with diabetes, and after 31 years of marriage, he died after two kidney transplants and heart attack. massive heart attack. And then after that, my daughter started using pain pills. This is one of your twins. One of my twins, one of my babies. And unbeknownst to me, she was becoming addicted. On several occasions, I had to take her to the ER to get a morphine um, drip. 
She was probably, I would say, 18 when it started, but we didn't know. We really didn't know. But anyway, um, two years after my husband Ron died, Ron Lowell, um, I met a nice man in my ward that agreed to marry me. (laughs) He signed on the dotted line. (laughs) But anyway, um, so then I married him, and a year after um, Bill Cushenberry and I got married, my mom died from complications from Alzheimer's. It had only been three years before that I'd lost Ron. And then three years after our mom died, um, Christy, my daughter, passed away from a heroin overdose. And if any of you have dealt with someone that you love that has addiction issues, you know what those years were like for our family, and it was very rough, really hard, hard times. No way to prep for them. No way to prep for them. How long ago was Christy's overdose? Or three years ago. Three, three, years, three ago, years ago, almost a you know, within a month. I was saying how her mom always cried on Sam's birthday because she missed Tommy. And Christy and Carrie's birthday is really hard, too, because there's just one. And she died only about two two weeks before her birthday. So March is a terrible month for us. But yeah, I know your daughter, Carrie, the other twin, feels it really hard. I mean, your other, oh, Tommy yeah. and Holly, feel it bad. and But Carrie especially, she's right. always posting things on Instagram right. and Facebook. And she drove her car even right after she died. And Well, I actually, that's a story in and of itself, but I co-signed in a car for Christy, which she never made one payment on for a year. After Christy died, the credit union came to me and said, you owe this much money on this car. And I was like, well, how much is it worth? And it was worth about 2000 more. So I ended up buying the car and then I gave it to Carrie so that she could have it. Did you? Yeah. So anyway, and Carrie had a really hard time trading it in. She thought I was going to not like it. I was all for it. After she had the car for a while, she had to change a tire, and she found balloons of heroin and needles hidden in the... Oh, wow. We found a lot of stuff like that. They're going to be hidden everywhere in there. I've learned so much since we lost Christy about addiction and about the addiction mind, and it's truly a disease. All-encompassing. Yeah, once it gets the grips on you. Sam, what was it like for you three years ago when you found out Christy died? Oh, it was literally like a punch in the gut. I just remember like this sobering feeling like this can't be true. This can't be happening. Everything that I thought was true wasn't just like nothing makes sense now. At that time, were you using or do you remember what your status of your addiction was? How many years ago would that be? Be Three three years ago. It was 2016. Yeah, I wouldn't have been using You'd already been through rehab, and you were drinking. Yeah. Did you ever talk to Christy about her drug abuse or her rehab stints or any of that kind of stuff? A little bit, but all she wanted to do was glorify him. She, she was just glorify him. She hadn't really got to the point where she want, no. really wanted to get over it. Well, she thought Sam would think she was cool if she told him, but yeah, I just he wasn't impressed. It made me sick to my stomach that this is my little niece, and she's saying, oh, yeah. That's the girl that first shot me up. And I was just like, I effing hate that girl. I hate her guts. Well, she's dead too. I don't care what she is. How many lives has she ran roughshod through? It's easy. Satan wants to bring as many down with him as he can. It's just Christy is so smart and beautiful. Beautiful. And just, I could have easily been put down for murder that day. Did you know the girl that she was talking about? I'd seen her and stuff. But you didn't know her. I didn't want to know her. Yeah. I really did not want to know Because you know, know that, that first person that introduced you to the drugs or whatever led you down a path. Yeah, and that was a special person to her, obviously. Yeah, but you know where she's coming from because... Absolutely. The person that introduced you to your first drugs 
was a lifelong friend too, right? Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I did not want to have anything to do with her. But it's like mom to this day would kill that person. Prison for the rest of her life killed him. So she feels the same way about the guy that introduced you to drugs. Absolutely. There's a big, big difference between my daughter Christy and my daughter the addicted Christy, where all you can think about is one thing, and that is getting the drugs, getting money for drugs. That's it. I didn't understand that until after we had already lost her. Because they get to a point where that's the only thing that they think can make them feel happy. And she felt like she had to have them just to be, be able to function normally. You could be... So dope sick that you could barely move. You get that phone call, go pick it up. Just leaving to go pick it up. As soon as you get your hands around it, the pain, everything just goes away. It's amazing. Really? Like physically? You, <laughs> physically, you feel fine. Even though fine. you haven't taken anything. It's just like the, relief. The Nothing. fact that you have it and you can take it. You can, all of a sudden, you're sharp again. She had actually overdosed twice before she died. See, I would never do that. I was so careful. Did you ever even get sick because you took too much? You always knew what too much would be. Yeah. As far as I know, I never even came close. My oh. tolerance got so high. Yeah, you were taking enough to kill an elephant. Yeah, I was taking a lot. And I could read what was on the label. You always did pills. You never did, like, heroin. I couldn't really do it, like, not the way I like to do it. You just like to crush up the pills. And then did you sometimes heat the powder? Yeah, that's exactly what I did. Like in a spoon, like you see in the movies? or Sometimes. Whatever. On tinfoil. The best was, do you want me telling you all this? <laughs> sure. The tinfoil, you get it into a glaze, and then you get it wet, and you just rub it with two fingers all over this tinfoil on the dull side. Or maybe it's the shiny side. I can't remember. But you get it all evened out, and then you can just start, and you hold it with one hand on the edge, and you just go up and back. And Enjoy put it in that. your mouth? So the pen's going in your mouth. Then you're lighting it and holding the pen. Wait, so you're holding the tinfoil. See, I'm out of practice. That's you good. hold tinfoil. So anyway, that's a different way than most people. Yeah, probably it's old school. But that's very common in drug paraphernalia to find a pen with, yeah, the, absolutely. with the pen out of it. Did mom ever catch you doing drugs or beer or anything? Yeah, mom know? caught me a few times. Drinking? Or did she just smell it on your breath or what? She smelled it on my breath. One time she caught me drunk and she went and got a Book of Mormon. <laughs> and I just would just go and get in bed. And she rarely followed me. She'd usually just say, I love you. Because you'd and, come in at night and you'd go into their room and say goodnight. Yeah, and try to get it. That you were yeah. But a couple of nights she came down and she'd just be laid down next to me and put her arms around me and just say, What does it feel like? What's so great? Can you just explain to me? Was she crying? or If I start crying, she'd start crying. Damn. What would you tell her? Would it make you mad or No, it never made me mad on that level because never in judgment ever. And I felt like she really wanted to know, like, what has got this boy's grips so tightly? Did you ever think, I got to stop? Oh, yeah. You said, you said, I'm done with that. Yep. And you just. All the time. More than any court date, more than any, anything else was my mom looking at me with tears streaming down her face. Yeah, I still think about her today when I. Think of decisions I'm making in my life. Oh, my God. I just remember when she had Alzheimer's really bad. I was like, great, what am I going to do? Once she's dead, then she's going to be really watching me. Mm -hmm. 24-7. And she probably is. Well, yeah, this has been good. Well, thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining us. It's been really wonderful. It really, really has. Thanks, little brothers. So we'll wrap it up now, uh, live from some care center in Bountiful, Utah. 
Woo. So this is Dan Knight saying hasta la pasta. Over and out. Adios. This podcast is hosted by me, Dan Knight, and features Sam Knight. It is produced by Katie Knight and Andy Ellis, with Larry Knight as the executive producer. Music by Dot and Then Dot. Check out more of their great music at dotandthendot.com.